welcome to another episode of Life Alchemy, the podcast and as you can see, uh, YouTube video brought to you by four coaches who found that the conversations we were having off camera where we turned up being super authentic and vulnerable about our lives and how we coach and help and encourage other people in their lives, turning base metal into gold or how that process works, were the really key conversations. So I'm Rosalind Palmer, and today we're talking about performance and a sort of incredibly nominative word. The minute you say performance, I'm sure that's meaning lots of different things to lots of different people. But this was really prompted by Hema talking to us again after the camera was rolling or had stopped rolling about the balance between pushing people as a coach, pushing yourself, going out there. I love watching SAS, dealing with it, just getting on with it, and actually being shoved out into the spotlight and you completely freeze because it's such a scary place to be. How do you strike the balance between encouraging somebody but not actually overwhelming them? Um, Was that kind of what you were talking about, Hammer? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. We we had the conversation that we were talking about the word performance. And obviously, with Chris's swimming background, it just brought me back to think about, you know, whenever I had to perform, and I let's make, you know, like a, let's say physically, um, <laughs> it's gone wrong already. <laughs> But how, you know, what what does that performance look like? And I, it took me back to some like really early childhood memories where I think they have really scarred the way that I um, think about kind of performance, pushing people to their best and all that kind of stuff. And I think there is a really fine line between, you know, there are different styles, maybe different styles suit people, but a fine line between pushing somebody to get the best out of them and then tipping them in, over the edge into that place where they freeze. And I'll give you some context so you can understand where this comes from. So um, I think there is, for me, a difference between actually what happens in real life and what is going on in my head. So, um, and, it, and that, that happens right now. So I will give you a few examples. So when I was at school, I remember being, uh, it was PE. And the teacher said to everybody, you know, who would like to be captain? So obviously a natural born leader, put my hand up, it's gotta be me, gotta be me. And of course the teacher said, Yes, off you go. So she blew the whistle, I caught the ball, we're on a court, and so I bounced the ball as fast as I could to the end of the court pitch. I'm not quite sure what it was, but anyway, you know, the thing with the hoop at the end. And I remember everybody in silence, and I remember everybody just staring at me with a sort of slightly be- like puzzled look on their face. In my head, that was like, oh my God, she's so fast. She's amazing, look at her dribbling skills. So I dribbled to the end, took a shot, missed it, but I was like, yeah, never mind. I was close, I was so fast, I outran you all. Anyway, the teacher blew that whistle, you know, that really long whistle that sort of summons you back to the center and you know you've got told off. And so I started looking around, walking, walking back to the middle and, she said to me, what is the first rule in this game? Oh, well, I don't know. She's like, you don't bounce the ball in netball. So basically, I'm playing basketball. Everybody else is playing netball. And you know, like, it was 
mortifying but I have so many examples like that another time we did long jump is it long jump when you jump in the sand <laughs> yes. yes and you try and jump a long way <laughs> yes that's it so you're saying that line that pressure of like you mustn't step over the line otherwise it's a foul again I'm not sure if it's a foul or whatever but you know you're not supposed to go over that white line so I concentrated so very hard to run as fast as I could but not go over the line that I forgot to jump so what happened? I then ran through the sand and then ran across the field and I just kept running like Forrest Gump. I didn't stop. And I could just hear people going, what's wrong with her? Where is she going? And I have got so many of these examples where I think this pressure of performing at an, your, your best can actually be crippling and induce a very different outcome. Um you know, the only, the only, you know, I never got to the Olympics as, I mean, probably no surprise, but that my sort of sporting. Uh, That's a shock. That, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it was? I went to the district sports to play tunnel ball. And if none of you know what tunnel ball is, it's when you stand with your legs open. I don't know if there's a theme of this, isn't there? But, <laughs> so, but you stand with your legs open and you push the ball on the, you roll the ball through the, through your legs and at the back you catch the ball or you pick the ball up you run to the front and when you've all had to go you sit down that was the sport and again I was the only one who managed to let the ball run through her legs and turn around and had to run backwards because, <laughs> you know like so I don't know what it is about sort of that kind of pressure and that kind of performance to me it doesn't introduce the best now I'm not sure if I haven't had I had a different type of coach would, would I better maybe um but it's yeah, it fascinates me. I watched you mentioned SAS like Ros, and I, I love watching it. But I've been in like bouncy castle versions of those, and then I just freeze. I think don't shout at me. I don't like it. So um, no, I, I don't think it's something to sign up for if you're not very good at hearing the F word or something. Somebody screaming in your ear about how pathetic you are. Um, no, I don't think it would bring the best out in me. I'll be honest. So, yeah it's for me it's all about like how do you get the best like how would you get the best of that 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 tunnel ball person or that playing the wrong game like how do you get the best of that person without creating that fear inducing moment where you freeze um yeah there's so much in this there's so much in this and i think um from my point of view i think the, the first thing that has to happen is the coach who's coaching you needs to understand the coachee what they need out of their tool bag to coach that person first and foremost. And I can see a really clear split here. And it, it's reminding me of kind of stories that my coach would say to me. So, and I think coaches get it wrong sometimes. They try and motivate you and it's not their job to motivate you. It's your job to motivate you. And they step across the motivation. What they should be doing is stepping into inspiration, which is inspiring you to go, you got it wrong. And that's part of the game. Because a simple saying like that brings you back in to go, all right, so getting it wrong is actually part of it. Because there's no no player, no world-class athlete in the world has got there without making a mistake. And my coach, when I was really young, said, you know, this game that you're about to step into swimming is there's more gold medals. There's, there's more kicks up the butt than there are gold medals. <laughs> and what he was really saying is strap yourself in because those moments when you stand on the podium are fleeting. 
but those moments of you've done it wrong are happening on minute by minute basis. And he brought in a phrase that really caught us. He said, you know, experiments can't fail. Mm-hmm. Experiments can't fail by definition. You just get some results at the end of it. It's what you do with those results which determines what happens next. So the person in power and control is actually you, the coachy. So the coach stepped away from motivating us and shouting in my face at times and stepped across and went, you've had a great session. Do you think you could do even better? And let me dissect it at the age of like 10, 11, 12. Mm. And I think that's the difference. Everyone's got those stories of PE, haven't they? Everyone's got those horrendous stories. It seems like everyone does. And, and I think that's the difference. I don't know if anybody else feels the same. Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, with the coaching styles that we were talking about before, about the, the, the yin versus yang. Um, it's The way you were describing that, uh, Chris, just reminds me of like the style of coaching, like the transformational style of coaching, which is all about, you know, um, eliciting um, and it being very person-centred as opposed to sort of telling someone what to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's interesting though, like with him and when you were saying about giving those examples, can you remember like what, what was it that, there's obviously a fear there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I just wanted to do, (laughs) I wanted to be really good. (laughs) Just (laughs) (laughs) And it's fine now, but um I just really, I don't know, I had this sort of inflated sense of what I could achieve. And actually, maybe it's inflated sense is the wrong, just it was just unrealistic at the time. But sometimes I think having a, a big goal and a big vision is really useful. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think the fear, back to your question, Sarah, it was, I think it was about, I don't know, I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to look rubbish. I wanted to, I wanted to be as good, if not better, as other people. Um, but I, it's interesting. We, you know, we talk about swimming. I still love swimming. I had this big idea. For, I watched too much Baywatch, and I think I, I wanted to be a lifeguard at one point. <laughs> so, again, and in my head, I sort of see, like, Pamela Anderson in a red swimsuit. <laughs> in reality, I'm doing the lifeguard training. You know, when you're wearing clothes, like oversized jumper and leggings and, like, trying to pick up the brick. That's what my reality was. And even then, that there was a moment where they teach you to sort of do this somersault thing underwater to push off. Uh, I was, I'd done it a couple of times and got it right. But then after a while, fear took over and I didn't want my teacher to realise I didn't know what I was doing. So what I do, I get to the end, but no one's looking, I'd splash around as if I'd done it <laughs> and hope that they can get confused with the splashes. And so I think his, I think fear, whether that's a fear of like showing yourself up or not being good enough or being laughed at or ridiculed, you can imagine what the sort of like basketball, netball situation slash long jump could have done to you as a child um you well, don't yeah I deal with people like this all the time with therapy <laughs> I mean seriously when I regress people through hypnotherapy it's all of those incidents but they stack up mm. the, the time you were asked to to read out a poem in front of everybody at school and you know, you couldn't pronounce hippopotamus or whatever else. And they thought it was hilarious, you know, and everybody laughed. And then the teacher went, oh, just sit down. You know, we won't ask you again. They're really scarring. I mean, I hadn't realised till I was hypnotherapist and all these memories come up from people, just how damaging they are. And, and I think you said sometimes I can't tell the difference between what's in my head and what's real. Well, that's because there is no difference. That's the point. 
your mind can't tell the difference that you know that's it bingo 100% you know what your mind perceives as real is real so um you know if your mind believes you're a fantastic twiddler under the water lifeguard person then you will be and if your mind thinks you're a complete splashing at the end of the full failure you will be the trouble is it's people who set those um limitations on us you know the corrections officers so it's the you've got to color inside the lines and you know and there's a lovely youtube video i don't know if you've seen it with all these little plump girls doing ballet on a stage and it's a dad who's filmed it it's really hilarious because he is laughing so loud you you barely can hear the performance and all the little girls are all going in one direction and his daughter's kind of just doing her own thing at the other end of the stage and just doing a completely you know and not having any of it you know and she's just hilarious and it did the rounds on facebook with something like you know be her (laughs) you want to be if you want to be a change maker you know dance to a different groove kind of thing and of course that doesn't go down well you know, if you're performing in Michael Flatterley's River Dance, you know, it would probably look very bad if you were the one going off in the other direction. And there are clearly times when you, you do need to conform, you know, but it would be the difference, I suppose, Chris, in your world between synchronised swimming and 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 pushing the envelope all the time with the fact that you're doing something different. I think that the, the trouble is it's like we don't know the difference between our minds and the way we create the difference is we're told to colour within the lines by other people who think that we should conform. And they make us wrong rather than make us learn. Bang on. Bang on. I, I, I totally agree. Do you know what, what you're alluding to for me is we've all got a story that's running. Everyone's got a story that's running and we either decide to add to it, delete from it, distort it. Whatever we do with that story, we run it and we run it hard. And if you think about life, it's experience. Each of us, personally, through our own eyes, ears, our senses, bring all of that in. So when you talk about pressure, for me, pressure's not a real thing. It's a made-up thing. It feels real, but actually it's just a story. And my granddad used to say something similar to what my sports psych used to say. My sports psych used to say, if it can't fit in a wheelbarrow, it doesn't exist. It's not real. And my granddad used to say when I was a kid, oh, if it can't fit in a skip, it's not real. And... What they're really saying in those moments are everything that is made up can feel real. It can feel real on the inside and we add stories to it. And then once we've got confirmation of that story, we start looking for even more and we go, see, I'm that type of person. So classic example is I hear people say, I'm, I'm really unlucky. You know, I'm a, I had a family member who said that all the time yeah. and their brain goes out looking for unlucky moments and then goes, see, I knew I was unlucky. There's another time. And this is where when we stop the story and pause the story, and something that really helped me was resetting expectations, especially when I moved from swimming to um, business life. I felt like there was this massive void and this massive jump. And all I really needed to do is redefine what success was and my expectations. And then I started having more fun. Once I started having more fun, I started experimenting and realizing that, you know, I'm not a very good public speaker, but I want to be better. And that's okay. And, you know, because life's not about how it looks to others. Life's about how it feels to us. When we get to the end, I believe that's how you're going to judge it. 
you're going to judge it by how the journey felt to you. So we've got control of that story is what I'm kind of concluding here. But we let others colour it, change it, distort it. And we've got to take back control. There's something really interesting, isn't there, about that visualisation and what, you know, we talked about the the difference between reality, you know, perception is reality, isn't it, for you? So if you create yeah. a different story, that becomes yeah. a reality. And I can give you an example where, you know, one sort of like exercise win, <laughs> there was a time where, again, I was a child and I had to do this back gymnastics. I decided to try that. And I had to do a backward roly-poly slash backflip. I don't know what it wasn't quite a backflip, was it? It wasn't like up in the air, it was on the floor. And um, I just couldn't <laughs> go over. And I remember um, the teacher said, imagine that you are lying, you're, you're sitting in a stream of chocolate, and if you manage to get your knees to go back onto the floor, the chocolate's going to jump in your mouth, um, if you imagine like that movement. What happened? In one, yeah, named it. So basically, it's a very powerful thing. I love those. I love those hacks. Yeah. I had a uh, a trainer at the gym uh, years ago, and 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 I hear it all the time with Pilates and yoga, and they'll go, oh, you know, engage your core or push your tummy down or whatever. And I'm always like, does that mean up? Does that mean down? Your tummy? How does that work? You know, and I and I really struggle with it. And then he went, Do you ever go to McDonald's? And I went, only for the children. Really, <laughs> I'm really healthy. I never go to McDonald's. Um and he said um other 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 places are available just so we know. Um, and they used to bring the mayonnaise and the tomato ketchup in those little squeezy horrible plastic packets. And he said, I want you to imagine you've got one of those under the small of your back. It's slightly open. I want you to press down and make the ketchup squirt out. Awesome. Bingo. I know how to get my tummy down. I know how to engage my core because of the tomato ketchup. And I do Pilates three times a week now. And every time I've got tomato ketchup underneath me. So it's like the chocolate, the tomato ketchup. It's a brilliant hack. Do you, I mean, do you use... Sarah, you, you're brilliant with your clients. Do you use some of these things with your clients? Or how would you have them not worry about turning up in the spotlight? Um, I, I definitely use a lot of visualisation. So just sort of taking them to, um, like, for example, a friend of mine, she messaged me yesterday and she's got a job interview today. She said, oh, you know, have you got any advice for me? She sent me a link to to the job description and stuff and she's perfect she's got all the experience you know she ticks all of the boxes so I'm thinking well, what you know what's there to be nervous about but I said I said to her you know uh, and this is what I use with my clients is definitely visualization you know taking them to a place where they're sort of imagining um everything happening everything going really smoothly really well they're kind of feeling really calm uh confident relaxed and you know having a really good time and then coming away afterwards and feeling like oh okay cool that was cool um you know you know what happens happens and that's fine so kind of really letting go of whatever the outcome is going to be and I think the power of it like definitely what you saying before about the mind the mind doesn't know what is yeah. real and what isn't and really it's such an amazing powerful tool to really use your mind and just allow yourself to be creative with it and visualize and that's that's definitely a massive go-to and I think the longer so the clients that work with me 
um, that work with longer, it's great because they have that tool then and that's a practice that they can they can use. Um, so yeah, definitely visualization is a go-to for me. What do you think about so we're talking about performance, all right? And I I really I saw a documentary about Beyonce years ago, and you know she's got these two personas. She's Beyonce, but she's Sasha Fierce when she goes out on stage. And of course, a lot of what I do psychologically, and I'm sure you do coaching with your clients, is to actually integrate, <laughs> to try and to try and not be uh, a fake self, to be an authentic self. But in some situations, maybe if you have to go and perform at Wembley in front of millions of people, and I don't know if this is true for you know the Olympics, Chris. Yeah. Um, you know, were you were you? crisp somebody else when you were in the pool or or or, or not because for me sometimes that does help I'll be honest yeah if, if I'm nervous and I've got to turn up somewhere I kind of think oh you know how how would Madonna turn up or how would Jane Fonda turn up or whatever and I kind of get a bit of that sass um I don't live in that place but it helps me in that moment 100%. Yeah, I think any sort of performance requires you to step into a future self of you, who you want to be. And I think that kind of thing helps. You know, from, from my point of view, performing at the top level was I had to dial a certain part of my personality up that wasn't a, a default. So, for example, I'm a very out of harmony person. You know, if I'm in the room with people, I'm very conscious of other people having fun in my presence. And that's my default. I go there quite a lot sometimes at the detriment detriment of my my own performance yeah and I have to keep an eye on that so going into those environments you can't take that in there you can't go into an Olympic final and stand there and go is everyone having fun (laughs) right now does everyone want to sit around and hold hands you know it's not that environment it's like I'm here to win and I don't care if I burst your dreams alive and you've got to dial that up because by definition by me winning I'm taking someone else's dream away for yeah. an out of harmony person like me, that's a big deal. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had to really dial that side of my personality up and find the skills to go in with a completely different mindset. But I think what, what we're really getting at here is you have to build a process that's personal to you that you believe in. And and I think you the two things you have to do with it, you have to live it, love it, and trust it. You have to really love that process. And I'm not saying you get that process and you stick to it and that's the only thing you do and you don't, you're not agile. But what I'm, I am alluding to here is that when you get yourself a, I know myself enough to perform, you ask those questions that are really personal to you. So the coaching that I do with people is all about understanding them, listening to them, but also putting in a process that they believe in, not just throwing in things that work for me or someone else. You know, morning routine is great. I think it's awesome. It doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. And we've got to find what works for us. Some people get their creativity late at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, the 5 a.m. club. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I am the 5 a.m. I love it. Yeah, that. we know that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have this podcast at 10 past 5 in the morning. <laughs> well, well done. You'll be on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it. I'll try it. But this is this is what I was kind of getting to is once you know yourself, you're able to put yourself in that what do I need prior to when I perform? That's what I do with my clients and and it works a treat. I was gonna say one of the things that um 
like I wonder if there is a different place to look for for that inspiration so Ros you mentioned actually whether it's Beyonce or Madonna like where where can you channel that kind of energy and bring that to life and Chris you talked about imagining your future self like what do you want that to look and feel like and I've definitely been in times where actually when you're in the middle of that confusion state or that state where you're doubting yourself, it can be quite difficult to channel that future. Well, I don't, I don't know what that future state would look like. I don't, I'm not quite sure if I can quite get there. Yeah. And one of the things that I often do with my clients and I've done for myself is almost you can use yourself, but a, a past state. So if you can go back to a time where actually, you know, you performed brilliantly, you know that you like, I don't know whether you aced a job interview or you, you did a public speaking thing, you absolutely nailed it. Take a minute to go back to that moment and like feel all the feelings that you felt. Like what did it feel like? Almost recount it in detail. So like who was there? How are they looking at you? How did you feel? What were you thinking? What was going on? And sometimes I think that can be a bit of an, for me, and I guess it's worked, that has been an easier anchor to kind of, go back to and embody and feel um yeah allow yourself to say okay that's what success feels like you know I felt excited at that moment because I actually did a really good job um so I think there's loads of so what I'm trying to say is I think when it comes to that visualization there are lots of places that you can look for that whether that is external whether that's your future self but maybe that's your past self as well Uh, yeah, I like that. I yeah, think, anchoring it. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the one thing that if you take a step before that, when whenever you experience success, there has to be something that happened prior to it. I think they're more valuable questions to, to go to. What happened prior to it? Yes, you experienced this wonderful talk, but what did you do beforehand? Now, I've yeah. got a person who I coach who doesn't like to prep, 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 prep all the time. He's he likes to just go in with a couple of notes and then just add a little bit, and he's brilliant at it. That would freak me out. I need to be there reading it 10, 15, 20 times and again and again and again. Well, he, he's got a different process. So I think you've got to ask yourself what happens just before you're successful. And if that keeps happening, there's a theme and a trend, there's something in it for you. Like you, Sarah, you're the queen of the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're brilliant but you're brilliantly organized you know and I'm, I'm, I mean it as a compliment thank goodness <laughs> you know, like, I mean, oh. um, and one thing I was thinking going back to picking up on some of the things that you guys have mentioned is just, you know like Chris and you saying you know have to think about you know, everyone has their own way and then you know him saying when you were saying oh remembering back to a past self and um, Ros, you were saying about, you know, think of a different persona, like, oh, what would Madonna do and things like that. One thing um, I do uh, um, often with clients is um, asking them sort of with the awareness of thinking, well, I can hear these different voices, these different voices of them, like saying, oh, this is one part of you which is saying, oh, my God, I can't do this, it's terrible, I'm, I'm never able to do this. And, the, or, and then the, then you can hear another voice saying, I really want this. I'm so excited. I know I can do it. And then and I just say to them, it's just an, an exercise um, and say to them, you know, what are the clear voices and who are they? If you were to characterise them, um, you know, you know, who are they? What would you what name would you give them? And then and then say, well, in this scenario, as it is at the moment, you know, who, which of those characters are playing centre stage at the minute and who do you need to be 
whose voice do you need to be louder? So it's still part of them, um, but they're kind of bringing in the characters that they, parts of them that they really need at a particular time. And they get, it sounds, it's like externalizing what's going on in their minds um, and having those have a conversations in a way as well. So like, oh, what does that, who does, you know, what does that character need to hear? And it's sort of like, well, which one is sounds like the ego yeah. and, you know, okay, I know you're trying to protect me and keep me safe, but it's okay, you know, this is going to be fun and, and things like that. That can be uh, really powerful as well. That sort of brings us on to our closing bit, if you like, of the podcast, which is the WTF, um, which is really who to follow, or it's what gems did you get from somebody else? And I'm in a coaching group and I'm being really pushed at the moment. I have to say I had a had a half-day workshop the other day and <laughs> I was not in a great state because uh, it was. We were talking about our. What are we going to leave behind? What's our TED talk? What's our legacy? What's our message? And it was like, oh, la, la. and the marketeering memes coming up with really catchy titles. And then it was like, well, why do you want to do that? And it was like, oh, because, um, and why? And they did this seven questioning why, and it felt like the seven stages of hell. <laughs> down because you, you just constantly go why do I want to say that why is that important why do people need to hear that um and I did find it quite challenging but one of the other gems that came out of that was very similar to what you're just saying Sarah which is that within us there's the child the adult and the sage and in my therapy work I'm 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 listening and helping heal that inner child that probably didn't get heard or was told terrible things or awful things happened to them. And, you know, the, the way it works with me is, you know, the child will go, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And the adult will go, of course you can do that. Um, and we have those all the time. But what I like is the sage. And I think that's what you're talking about a bit. The sage is, well, what have I learned from that before? Or what? How could this change the needle or move me forward? So, it, it, it adds an extra voice to the child and the adult. So that's my WTF. I don't know about anybody else. Um, my my WTF is um, Simon Hartley, who's my former sports psychologist. I still do some work with Simon, actually, and he's well worth looking up. One of the things he left me with, through, and I worked with him for, what, 10 years, um, trying to get to the top of the sport, was your doubts are signals. Mm. Don't ignore them. You know, we talked a little bit about these doubts as we were kind of working through this podcast. But, and I link it more less to my Olympic career, more to my speaking career and coaching career. That whenever there's doubt in me, there's something missing. There's an opportunity to kind of open it up. If I'm courageous enough, there's an opportunity to open it up and explore it. And when you do, that's where your next step is, not the next step, if that makes sense. And I, yeah. I think there's a mm. little separation between those two where one of them is just really life-changing. The other one is just maybe a career step. When you ask those questions, I just think you get a completely different set of answers that are, yeah, life-changing. I go. My, um, my WTF would be, so I had this thought this morning uh, when I was thinking about performance. And I was thinking, well, what makes like really how do we create optimal performance? And I think for me, and this is just my perspective, is the answer is empathy. So like if we can better understand 
like ourselves, and you alluded to, to, to it earlier, Chris, but if we can better understand ourselves or we can better understand what's going on for somebody else and like under the surface, you have a much better chance of creating the optimal environment to create the best performance that's possible. Um, so rather than looking like at an amazing somebody that I see is like, a, you know, I think who are those people that display great empathy and how does that show up? What are the questions that they're asking? How do they listen? And what happens when you do that? And what happens to people's performance? Um, whether it's teams or companies or individuals inside businesses, for example, what happens when empathy is present? Um, so that would be just my uh, WTF. It's not quite who to follow, but I'd say pick out the leaders that you think actually display great empathy and watch them. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so for, for me, just something to share is um, I'm reading this book at the moment called The Courage to Be Disliked. Um, and it's based on, it's written in the form of a philosopher who's talking to um, this guy. Uh, and basically it, it Leading links to what you were saying earlier, Chris, about stories. And so it's around sort of Adlerian philosophy and psychology um, that basically trauma um, is false. Uh, you know, and, I'm, uh, and people say, I can't do this because um, I had a really difficult childhood and that's why I can't speak in public or that's why I can't do this and that. Um, but it's a really... I guess I was going to say provocative, but it might be like that for some people who might, he, he might anger people and say, how can you say that? Because that did actually happen to me and it was really hard. So um, it's a really, it's a really good read um, about how stories aren't real. Basically. What was it called again? It's called The Courage to be Disliked. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go there as a therapist. <laughs> Um, well, no, because I think I think it's that fine line between trauma and your stories. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. Um, is this story working for you? Mm. Question. So we hope this podcast worked for you. Um, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to the rest of you and covering this issue again. We're all works in progress. We, we show up and have these conversations that normally would maybe happen after the cameras are rolling, but here we are. We're having them in front of the cameras. And I'm sure there's many gems. If you've loved what you've heard, we will be translating this into an ebook and ways that you can engage with us further or you can reach out and engage with any of us. So on behalf of... Chris and Hammer and Sarah and myself, you've been listening to Life Alchemy and uh, here's to you finding the gold in your life. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. <laughs> uh, goodbye from me. <laughs> Bye everybody. Have a great day. Bye.